Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. And this is The Department, a podcast about trends and how they define the world around us. Kim and I, we're back from a break, and we're ready to pick up where we left off, talking about juice. Yep. <laughs> well, we were kind of talking about juice before, so this is a great segue. Yeah. Ever since we did that episode, I've had juice on my mind, and you and I were sharing articles and just was like, okay, we got to get to the bottom of juice, right? Um, I swear that I'm not only doing food trends from now on, but this just after these, those, that girl episodes, I had to know more. Yeah, so exactly. T- Today we're going to talk about juice, a food, is it a food? I'm not really sure, that seems to trend over and over again. It's like a lifestyle. <laughs> it's know? a lifestyle that trends over and over again. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's you a know, consumption lifestyle. It Yes, for sure. And you know, I, I mean, we've talked about this before. We say this a lot. Like these trends, they're so cyclical. Like people are mm-hmm. so predictable and these things just keep coming back and after you see the environment that this has repeated in a few different times, you sort of see when it's going to come back again. And juice is one of those things. Like we're just so trendy about everything we do as humans. It's, it's very true. And and actually that actually, it, it kind of circles back to buying. I, I was always kind of surprising. Like when I started buying and started buying for like, you know, larger, more, I guess, um, you know, national stores and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you just saw those trends and like, they just were so predictable. So humans predictable. are so predictable. And it's like different humans. It's not just yeah. the same humans coming That's back. The it's thing. like, <laughs> yeah. so interesting. There's always a new person to get mm-hmm. into juice, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we launch, um, I definitely want to just, you know, do a shout out to our general weekly reminders of how you can actually support us. Um, You know, obviously we're working, you know, nights and weekends um, researching just to kind of bring you guys interesting trends, be them food or fashion, et cetera. Um, But, you know, make sure to just tell your friends and family about the podcast. That's our number one ask. Number one request over here at the department is to just you know, let your friends and family know, um, you know, bring it up at, at the, your, your next, um, I guess, uh, mid pandemic cocktail party. <laughs> Safely. What a good um, time. Exactly. It's a perfect time to talk to your friends and family about what you've been doing this, um, this last year. And hopefully it has been listening to the department and learning all about latest trends um and and nostalgic trends of course um but you are the reason that we show up every week and uh we love you for it um you know also make sure to follow us on your preferred streaming service we are on apple we are on spotify we are on google we are on what is it (laughs) stitcher i mean i know that sometimes people have found it hard to find us but we are all there and you can find us through our 
the next way that you can actually support us is through our Instagram account. Um, there's a whole link tree that has all the links that you can find us on. Um, so make sure to follow us and you can always find us. Um, and then lastly, make sure to give us a star rating on Apple podcasts. Um, and if you want to take it one step further, leave us a written handwritten. Wow. Handwritten. (laughs) Yes. With your fingers typed in by hand, a note and review on an Apple podcast. <laughs> yes. Hand, it is. It's handwritten, technically. Please do that. Please do that for <laughs> us. <laughs> and if you have a suggestion for an episode, you want to tell us about a trend we're missing, you have something to contribute to the conversation we've had or having today, please call our hotline number, send us a voice memo that you've recorded on your phone or computer, send us a DM, drop us an email, all of those things. You can find all the details for contacting us on the website. So today, today's episode, we're going to take a journey through many different centuries and all kinds of crazy order because it made sense to me as I was trying to piece together the epic tale of juice. Which I uh, feel like is so, it, res- it resonates with us particularly as elder millennial slash mm-hmm. young Gen Xers because it was just so prolific during mm-hmm. the aughts. Yes. Yes. And aught and and Audis. Aughts and Audis. And living in LA, like it was just And New York. Yeah, exactly. The years that I lived in LA it was like peak juicing, you know? Like oh, it was just the juice really, cleanse. Yes. We're gonna talk about the juice cleanse so much today. Because there's so much going on there. I remember and, I remember always seeing them like, oh my god, there's like there's like a um oh god, it's not Groupon, but what is that what was that other huge kind of discount site um oh. guilt guilt group yes. would do these like it's like blueprint and it'd always be like this is the this is the deal of the century and it's like 350 dollars. and i was like oh my god i'm like that's basically rent like i can't afford i know that. i know i mean spoiler juice is expensive it's and so kind expensive. of always has been we'll mm-hmm. talk about that but we're going to start this story of juice not at the beginning of juice i promise we'll go back to that but we're going to talk about the end or the end of the most recent trend cycle of juice because it's just every generation gets their juice time you know Mm -hmm. um we're gonna start in 2018 with a headline from the new york post and i just want to preface this by saying i hope this is the first and last time we cite the new york post on here um (laughs) this is just such a great article kim sent it It to me why no one does juice cleanses anymore. Once again, this is from 2018, so three years ago. Yeah, so that was like right at the end of the trend cycle, I suppose. Except that girl, does, doesn't does she drink <sighs> She does drink green, she drinks green juice, yeah. But it's not a cleanse. It's not a cleanse, right? It's just a lifestyle. One could argue that if the New York Post says a trend is over, then it's been <laughs> over four years. Yeah. Or, conversely... Maybe the trend is just getting started again. Because I don't go to the New York Post for my trend info. No. So take that with a grain of salt, too. Perhaps it's already on its way back because, you know, three years ago, the New York Post said it was over. I don't know. Um, The protagonist of this article is a woman named Sora Kim, who at that point was 22 years old. And it lays out her own journey from embracing the juice fast, like moving to New York and being like, I do juice cleansing Mm -hmm. because... That's what young women do 
you know, a couple years into that, she is gagging over green juice, just trying to get one down. And oh, it, by and, gagging, you mean grossed out, not gagging as in like, oh my God, I'm gagging over it. No, she's like gagging, like I'm going <laughs> to gagging one down. Okay. Yeah. And then it shifted. This was the end of the story into a trend I haven't heard much about, but was soup fasting. Mm. Now she was into that. Okay. Uh, so she's, she'd gotten fruit out of her life, was into vegetables and was really into soups and broths. And yeah, that's a weird thing. But to be fair, I do think broth was a trend for a few years there. I think like it's bone broth. broth. Yes, bone broth. Exactly. Mm. And I do remember when Carl Lagerfeld lost all that weight. It was on a weird soup diet. Have you seen his uh, his diet book? No, is it all soup recipes? <laughs> it, it's just, I mean, it's this, it's exactly what you expect it is. It's just like barely eating anything. It's yeah, like, here's some tuna course. salad or a cantaloupe or something. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. It's out of print, by the way. Uh, a loss <laughs> to humanity. Shocker I there. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to talk about diet culture in the same way we did in previous the previous That Girl series there. But I will tell you that like, Every article you read about juice, about juice cleanses, it all leads back to diet culture. Like it all does. Like they're so entangled, especially now. I read a crazy Vice article that was basically every decade's um, mm. dieting trend. Um, and, you know, juicing was the odds one, right? And there were all kinds, there was one with people eating cotton balls. I don't even want to talk about it because no one needs to hear this stuff. But to be sure, everyone who goes on a juice cleanse, whether they tell you this or not, is trying to lose weight. Um, yes. That's what it's always like. You detoxify yourself and lose weight. Mm -hmm. you, you know, like you're cleansing and losing weight. Like it's in the yeah. fine print. So like just keep that in mind as well. So we talked about juice cleanses in the That Girl series. Well, we talked more about juice than juice cleanses. Let's recap what a juice cleanse is in case you've somehow had the extreme luck to never <laughs> have to hear about it. A juice cleanse is a type of diet. Yes, it is a diet that involves consuming only juices from vegetables and fruits in an attempt to lose weight and so-called, this is in heavy quotes here, mm -hmm. detoxify the body. The weight loss from this is very temporary because usually, unsurprisingly, the weight returns as soon as the person resumes eating solid food. Because it's usually like just water weight. Yeah, totally, totally. And guess what? The body already detoxifies itself. So just stay hydrated, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Eat fruits and vegetables. Yes, the actual fruits and vegetables. Yes, That's with one the fiber, of the morals yes. of the juice stories, yeah. Most people with any kind of medical education, like literally any kind, will tell you that while these cleanses might make you lose weight thanks to the restrictive calories, the lack of fiber, protein, and fat make them unsustainable for a longer period of time. And they may, I didn't know this. I mean, I, I've never done a juice cleanse. Have you? No, I haven't. I didn't think so. We're too budget conscious. Uh, <laughs> they may true. also cause kidney issues. Um, certain types of juice contain oxalate, which is an acid that can contribute mm. to kidney stones and oh, other wow. kidney problems. And when you're only living on juice for an extended period of time, you can develop issues with your kidneys. If you're, mm. if you're eating, having juice here and there, and you're also eating food and drinking water and like living a normal life, 
you shouldn't stress about it. But if that's all you consume, it can be dangerous to your health. The other issue with juice, which is something that I'm just going to say this now. I am married to a juice person. Uh, the number of times I have seen him stand in front of a cooler full of juice at Whole Foods for like 20 minutes while I'm like, come on, dude. I did all the grocery shopping. Could we please be done? Could you please pick a juice soon? Uh, <laughs> something that I would always tell him is like, you know that juice is sugar, right? And he would be kind of like poo-poo me. But the reality is juice is sugar. And this is frequently the reason when everybody finally realizes it, each generation, that ends a juice trend, like a trend cycle of juice. It's the sugar. Suddenly mm-hmm. people are like, oh, it's sugar, right? Yeah. We like we know that sugar itself, or at least the avoidance of sugar, has its own trend cycle, right? And it seems to begin just as juice is waning. Um, Dr. Frank Lipman, who is one of these like wellness doctors, I hesitate to even quote him here. He mm-hmm. refers to himself as a celebrity mm, doctor. Right. He has his own line of probiotic drinks. He told the New York Post that juice was, quote, soda without bubbles. And so I had to include that quote, even though I'm like, "Mm, I don't know about this dude. But he's on to something here. Yes, fruit is good for you. And yes, fruit has sugar in it, a naturally occurring sugar. But it's the fiber of the Mm. fruit itself that allows your body to process that sugar in an efficient way that is very different from the way your body would handle a soda. You drink a juice, your body handles it like a soda. Removing that fiber, which is what juice does, right? You throw all that fiber in the trash. It turns it into a glass of sugar water with some good vitamins, of course, but it's still, it's just sugar water. A 2013 study from the Harvard School of Public Health found that while a greater consumption of certain whole fruits is significantly associated with a lower risk of type 2 diabetes, consuming fruit juice is associated with a higher risk Mm. because there's nothing that's like buffering it. It's like hitting your body so hard, you know? I think it's something like the fiber helps the insulin. Was it? Yeah. I'm not very very good with the insulin part, but it is, it's related. And it's the same thing. Like why whole grain fibers, like whole grain breads and pasta and things like that are like less glycemic than Mm -hmm. regular bread and pasta, because that extra fiber changes the way your body breaks down the food. It's like, it kind of slows your roll, if you will, instead of like, I guess really sugary, basic sugars and starches are very easy for your body to metabolize really, really fast. And so it just like hits you with like a rush when you eat it. Mm-hmm. We're not scientists. Do some Googling, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. We are clearly know, not. <laughs> we're, we're trying our best here. Anyway, another thing about juice, which is supposedly detoxifying people is like, I mean, honestly, it gives people a lot of diarrhea, uh, which <laughs> I know. I mean, like, let's get down to brass tacks here, which dehydrates people and makes them feel like they lost weight. But if you have IBS or other digestive issues, the sugars in the juice can feed bad bacteria in the gut, upsetting the natural balance of the microbes, increasing inflammation and other stomach issues, giving you even more diarrhea and dehydrating you more, which is one of the reasons you can end up with kidney issues, right? Mm. And I'm going to just be honest with you all. 
I lived in LA. I was sometimes using juice as a meal substitute. This is how life was. And, you know, eating a lot of other things of that ilk that were supposed to be making me well or whatever. But my stomach was just like a nightmare, especially when I was at Nasty Gal. Finally went to see a doctor who like really was serious about helping me get well. And it turned out I had something called SIBO, which is like a chronic infection in your small intestine that was basically being fueled by juice oh wow and other stuff like that that i was consuming you're just like giving it more more sugar to eat off right and then it would eat all the other bacteria and crowd them out and kill them and so it was just like i had this chronic stomach infection um so just be careful about that kind of stuff everyone you know so this was starting to come out in 2013 like we have that study more and more People who are in the naturopathic medicine space are starting to talk about how actually juice might be bad for your digestive health and your health as a whole in the way we've been consuming it. You know, because the image was, you've got a juice in your hand, you must be some kind of healthy person, right? And it's so easy and convenient and it tastes good. And you could just, you know, you can just work on your health by just drinking this little glass of, you know, $15 juice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, this news is slowly starting to get out there. And so juice began to see a decline in popularity. This is 2013. Yeah, 2013. So just keep that in mind. And that was, 2013 was an interesting year for the world of juices, the juice industry. Not going to lie, read some juice industry blogs. (laughs) (laughs) I went so deep so that none of you have to. Mm -hmm. On one hand, we had this study that was pretty major indicating that juicing was probably not that great for your health. And on the other hand, we have places like Moon Juice growing bigger and bigger. I have so many problems with Moon Juice. I could do an entire episode Mm -hmm. about Moon Juice, but fortunately, Maintenance Phase already did that for us. So give that a lesson. We'll link it in the show notes. It's a good one. Or you can read the Eater article that I'm also going to share in the show notes. There's a lot to unpack with Moon Juice. Um, But that was, Moon Juice was like blowing up at that point. Like I would go to the Echo Park Craft craft fair you'd have a huge booth tons of people in line everybody losing their minds over like i swear that juice was like 20 dollars. oh yeah was it it was juice juice it was something i don't know was and then like juice with added stuff it all had stuff they had those powders mm-hmm. the powders right those like 12 dollar cashews there's like four sex dust yeah all that stuff all that stuff so that's coming up in 2013 like it's been around for a few years but it's like really picking up momentum we also had all kinds of juice brands emerging in the big cities Mm -hmm. and taking lots of investment money like pressed juicery and juice served here it was like they blew up all at once yes i do remember this and there's just so much at this point internet hype about juice it makes me think of remember we talked about basic like a million years ago like the internet kind of jumped on it as something to write a million think pieces about like a year or two after it peaked. And so the cut published this wild article. I'm going to share it in the show notes. It's by Vanessa Gregoriatis called juice heads, how the newest liquid nutrition cultists are mastering their intestines. Mm -hmm. And that title doesn't even begin to convey how fascinating of a read this is. Um, But this article declares, if you can make it through a juice cleanse, you can make it anywhere. 
everyone should go read this article because it's such a journey. It's written in such a lovely style. It made me laugh many times out loud and it made me cringe a lot too. It did all the things. It's, it's like, it's a journey, right? There are a few just completely wild moments from that article that I have to share now. What year was this article written? Was this 2013. Whole, it was the same. Yeah, okay. Yeah. This is like, and I will tell you, as I was going down the research rabbit hole about juice, 2013 was like the critical mass mm-hmm. of articles about juice on the internet. Like, what's juice culture mean? And who, who's into juice? Why you should do it? And it was just like so much conversation about juice. I, it's so interesting to see these media trends and how they seem to, just based on a pattern that we've noticed over and over again, the, the media trend is after the trend has peaked continuously. Mm-hmm. So if you look at 2000, if you do a Google search on think pieces about juicing and you see that they're all in, from 2013, then you know that the probably things peaked around 2011, exactly. right? Uh-huh. So one of the people that Gregoriatus interviews is this guy named Marcus Antibi, and he's the founder slash owner of the chain Juice Press. He makes some very strong assertions about juice and food, and I want to read them to you. I also, I don't know why my brain is doing this, but when I picture him, this is not what he looks like, by the way. He looks like that guy, that mystery guy from, uh, oh. what was that show? You know. The, yeah, I love that one. Um, the one about, uh, gosh, about dating, but it was like. Oh, God. The pickup artist. That? The pickup artist. He looks like mystery in my imagination, Ooh. the pickup artist. He doesn't in real life, but the way he talks, it makes sense. Like if you picture that guy saying the stuff, he says, your vital forces are smothered by the consumption mm-hmm. of garbage, including creativity and spiritual happiness. Here we start with this pursuit of purity, which we talked oh, about so purity. much with that girl. Yeah, of that clean food mm-hmm. in quotes. It leads to some sort of creative and spiritual epiphany. We're going to talk about that again. Here's another one from him. You eat something processed or steak. You're not eating something alive. It's completely dead. It's inanimate matter. Juice contains living things that your body feeds off and cooperates with. It enhances the electrical force in your own body. Now, a PhD at... I know, this is crazy. It gets even weirder. (laughs) Now, a PhD at Columbia University hears that and says, I'm an idiot. They say I can't prove it. Well, I don't have to prove it. PhDs drink coffee and they don't drink juice. I mean, I don't even know Wait. what he's talking about here. <laughs> but you start to see a little bit of this like anti-science, anti-intellectualism vibe here. Like, I don't need to prove things with science because I just know it, you know? And that I, I reminds know me, pseudoscience. Right. It just reminds me of the entire campaign around the previous president of the United States. It reminds me of all this anti-vax, anti-mask stuff and COVID denial, denialism and everything else that goes along with that. Where like, it's like scientists don't know shit. I don't have a right. fancy education, but I know what's right. And you're like, oh, and no. I have a platform and I have a juice company that everyone respects. So everyone listen to me. Oh, what a nightmare. Um, okay. Here's another thing he says. I'm like the pink poodle at the rich guy's party. Which one did I mean, I've pink gone to some rich guy parties and it's in a poodle poodle. anyway. At the rich says, guy's. Yeah. It makes no sense. He said, he continues, look at him. He's covered in tattoos, you know, 
but maybe someday I'll be an eccentric billionaire with long fingernails, with a space program, and farms where things are grown in bubbles, with naked women pressing juice. Oh, God. That's the quote, this is yeah. like, this, I mean, this is like, this is actually a trend of like the crazies that are getting a ton of startup capital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like you, you need to have this insane personality to even have your own business, apparently. And you just have to be drinking so much of your own Kool-Aid mm-hmm. that ev- you everything that comes out of your mouth, you believe. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and nothing is over the line. Must be so charismatic. Yeah. The rest of us are out here second guessing everything we've ever said out loud. Mm-hmm. Right. But these guys are like, I'm just saying Kukumaru stuff and people love it. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's I, like a certain type of like narcissism. It is. I mean, this, this guy clearly, right. I mean, he's talking, I just want to take a step back. Everybody. We're talking about juice. Okay. Yeah. Juice. All right. This guy's talking. What's with the things grown in bubbles and the naked women pressing juice it's over the line. I don't understand what he's going on. Anyway. All of this is very extra, but it paints a picture that really captures a lot of the psychology around purity and control that we discussed in those That Girl episodes with that extra dose of just like populism and distrusting science and feeling like you're the only person who's aware of the real truth. Mm-hmm. One of those truths that he believes that is this is being sold here is that big food, use that in quotes, is here to destroy us and control us. And it's the fuel of the slovenly sheeple. Ooh. It's no it wonder. Like a, it sounds like a Reddit, you know, a, like a yeah. whole Reddit thread. It's no wonder that at the time of this article, there was literally a poster inside Juice Press locations that said, it's time to wage war. With tomatoes, not guns. War against the giant corporations that disguise poisons and processed foods as indulgences or even as light and healthy choices. Wake up, people. You're being made sick by people who stand to profit from your complacency. I mean, like, what? We're talking about a juice store. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's like a revolution. Yeah. I'm going to start the revolution in juicing. It's like the marketing angle here is really interesting to me because it's like so over the top. Mm-hmm. Those, the idea here is that those in the know, the elite, not the intellectual elite, these other elite special chosen people, the smartest, the most resourceful, they'll see the truth about nutrition and health that is hidden from everyone else. And those people who see that truth, who switch to drinking juice, once again, we're just talking about juice over here, will be rewarded with a better, happier, more fulfilling life. Another blurb from the juice press propaganda machine. (laughs) (laughs) So ridiculous. Achieving remarkable physical, emotional, and spiritual status is just a few raw salads and juices away. Mm No big deal. No big whoop. Just have a couple juices and some raw salads and you, you will have it all. Mm-hmm. So I read another lovely piece. Guess what? It's from 2013 from the New Republic written by Judith Shulevich. I'm sorry. I'm so bad at last names. 
comparing the juice cleanse culture to various religious rituals. Mm -hmm. It's called Jesus and Moses went on cleanses, but that doesn't mean you should. It's like a cult. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, look at this stuff. This guy was picturing him as mystery. (laughs) It's 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 ridiculous. I highly recommend this piece because it counters all of this drink juice, reach spiritual nirvana nonsense. We're talking about juice here, yes, people. Exactly. And we're talking about a business that probably took a shit ton of VC money, right? That is attempting to sell you some sort of spiritual nirvana. Yes. They're selling you juice. And there was actually a lot that were doing that too. I know. Now that I, and I, now I think that. about it. And it was so easy to fall into that trap because you were looking for the fountain of youth or the fountain of whatever enlightenment and oh if 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 just drinking a juice could bring it i know (laughs) oh great exactly you're stressed out about work you're like will i ever find love will i ever find happiness this juice will get me there you know it's so easy to try it i just need 15 dollars, and so of course you try it right literally drink the kool-aid yeah yeah Shuvalitz calls out how fasting has always been a big part of spiritual growth and that reaching a higher level of physical purity was guaranteed to lead to higher levels of spiritual realization as the body abandoned the earthly sins of gluttony. Like this is a part of so many religions. In this century, we took the sin out of the equation and we replaced it with toxins. Mm-hmm. It's like we must shed ourselves of toxins. Yes. The toxins are ruining our lives. Right. But it's it's still a lot of disturbing purity mm-hmm. talk, right? Toxins are just the new sins, but they're synonyms That's for a lot true. of people. Uh, Shuvalitz says, we live in an age of what William James called medical materialism. So instead of fretting about a fallen world, we speak of a poisoned one. I thought just really resonated with me that rather than think about how we can make systemic change, we can work with others to make systemic change that will make the water less toxic and the air better quality and the soil, you know, more fertile and all of that. We're saying, I'll just drink this juice instead. It'll be cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an easy fix. It's an easy fix, but like, except for how it's not right. Just throw money at it. <laughs> And I will say that that cut article, I'm going back to that one that I talked about also from 2013, you know, that cut article seemed to about 20 paragraphs in be like, oh, maybe the trend is peaking Um, because a friend of the writer confided to her, quote, I like drinking juice because it gives me so much energy. But honestly, I don't tell my friends about it. They'd make fun of me. It's such a yuppie thing to do. Like it was already not cool. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, we traveled backwards, right? We started in 2018. It's 2021 right now. We went to 2013 for a while. You know, remember again, in 2018, the New York York Post declared that juice cleanses were over. We talked about all this juicing possibly beginning to be uncool in 2013. But now we're going to travel forward from 2013 to 2017 for a moment, where apparently... Enough people were still into juice, although we're all accepting the trend had peaked, 
to do something called a juice crawl, which sounds like a personal nightmare for me. Wow. It's a three hour long event that involved working out for an hour and then binge drinking up to 30 different kinds of juice traveling as a group from juice bar to juice bar. And I assume pooping your pants at the end of the night. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So ridiculous. Anyway, that same year, the juice industry was shocked, appalled, blindsided. You pick your favorite word there. By the overnight demise, like literally all of the stores closing their doors for good overnight, just like very out of the blue of juice served here, which is a very premium brand of juice served across LA. We're talking 12 to $15 a bottle, maybe 18. And it made the other big LA juice brand, Press Juicery, look like a hot deal that's like plastic bottles and merely $10 mm-hmm. juice, right? This brand was known for it's just, it is the epitome of that minimal blanding branding. I can picture it, right? It's like, just black writing. That's yeah. that, you know? I actually will say I was a big fan of their coconut cream drinks, and I would often use it as a meal substitute because that's what you do when you work in fashion where disordered eating is encouraged. Mm-hmm. Also, it was delicious. But it was like $18, I'm pretty sure. It was more than a salad. In 2014, that company had received $10 million in funding that it had used to open nine stores in LA with a very expensive build out in very expensive locations. Kim reading about this reminded me so much of nasty gal. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, this was the time where people did really dumb shit like this, where they took a lot of money and the plan was to open as many stores as possible all at once. And it was all about like experiential elements of the stores. You had to just, dump money into mm-hmm. decor and stuff like that. Oh. It had to be like Instagrammable. Yeah, yeah. That was all anyone wanted to talk about, including a fucking juice store. Mm-hmm. So they spent all this money on stores and guess what? They ran out of money. They literally closed their doors overnight. I'm sure there's lots of angry landlords out there. Did I, did you, or I know that I sent an yes. email to you. Did you read yes, it? I did. I did. In that statement, the CEO, Alex Matthews, said this is the only because like a lot of the not criticism, but critique around the business closing so suddenly is that a lot of people felt like he never said why. And I think he was probably like really embarrassed that they basically run out of money. But yeah. the closest he came was in that email where he said in 2015, we noticed a shift in consumer habits in our stores and within the juice category. The buzz for cleansing was fading. The desire to dine on juice for three days in a row was just not as popular as it was years prior. It's so interesting. I went down a very strange and totally unnecessary rabbit hole of the economics of juice business to try to understand this more. And very long story short, a profitable juice business is very hard to run. It's even harder to run if you are spending all this money on build out and real estate and whatnot. It's all about making just the right amount of juice to meet customer demand because it spoils so quickly. Mm. And juice is expensive to make. It requires so much fruit and vegetables, which aren't cheap to begin with. And if you overbuy the the wrong ingredients, they're going to spoil. So it's not like you can ever be prepared 
for anything, right? Exactly. Especially if you're like, oh, this is all fresh press. Like it's not, you're not freezing anything if you've overbought it. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah. And many businesses struggle to achieve this balance. Like it's really hard to keep costs low um, and not have a lot of food waste. And I read an article by a guy who considers himself to be like an expert in this industry. And he was basically like, the best thing you can do if you want to start a juice business is you can have one storefront where you press all of the juice, right? And so if people come in and buy it, that's great. But mostly it's also your facility and you deliver and wholesale that juice. Yeah. And it makes a lot more sense. But, you know, juice served here was like going for this more luxury branding concept. So we've seen the juice trend hit its peak in this century. We all lived through it, everyone. (laughs) Pat yourself on the back. But juice is a thing that has been coming in and out of trend for centuries. We're going to go all the way back now to sometime between 100 BC and 70 AD when the Dead Sea Scrolls were written. I don't know, Kim, if you ever read the Dead Sea Scrolls. Check them out. Uh, Get them for Kindle. Me neither. But even the Dead Sea Scrolls told readers to drink, quote, a pounded mash of pomegranate and fig to give you profound strength and subtle form. Sounds kind of delicious, actually. Mm. But here we are. It's like centuries ago. There's no internet. There's no Instagram. There's no influencers. Athleisure isn't even a twinkle in someone's eye. And we're already talking about how juice will give you all these amazing physical characteristics, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's the magic elixir. Apparently. Apparently. All ancient cultures and societies have some kind of juice thing. And it involves juice as a miraculous cure-all. Juice, to be fair, has gotten pretty weird over the centuries. And I'm glad that some of these juice trends have died out. For example, onion juice is one that just hung around for a long time. I know. In 1877, the U.S. Dispensatory of Medicine, sounds very unlegit, advised that onion juice aided digestion, cured bronchitis, and was a great treatment for water retention. Oh. There were some people who were like, it treats flatulence. Uh, It is great if you have a respiratory illness. I don't know. 16th century bald men would stand in the sun while rubbing onion juice on the scalp to stimulate the hair follicles and no, no doubt repel all women. (laughs) Exactly. Um, The ancient Greeks actually thought that onion juice was an aphrodisiac, totally different direction there. Um, Moving on to garlic, which I think garlic is, gets kind of trendy sometimes too. Physicians administered antiseptic garlic juice to soldiers' wounds during World War II, and, or I'm sorry, World War One. And for some reason, that really nauseates me. I, I can't, just, like, grosses me out too much. <laughs> to be fair, for all of this, I mean, this all seems like nonsense, right? Like, me, I, I don't know how any of this would help, but every once in a while, a juice remedy would end up being truly beneficial. It's a pretty rare situation, but like, sailors would find out that regular doses of lemon juice prevented scurvy, which we know to be true because scurvy is caused by lack of vitamin C. But people would cite that throughout history as like, it's proof that juice cures you. Mm -hmm. 
And then there were other juice remedies that were not remedies at all, but mainly just psychological torture, like <laughs> meat juice, oh. which was all of the juice that could be extracted from raw meat. Oh, I can't believe I said that out loud. It's so gross. Oh, God. It was bottled in the late 1800s by a man named Man, that's with two N's, S. Valentine, and he swore it was a cure-all, and he got some oh. wacky doctors to also you know, give him quotes for all his advertising, contribute to this book he wrote about it. And in the book, he mentioned combining it with gelatin mm. to cure constipation. Also, meat juice cured mental illness. This is his claim. I don't believe it. I The thought of having to drink some meat juice or even worse, some meat jello is so appalling. I mean, it sounds like it would actually make you sick. Yeah, it seems like, really... I mean, this isn't like an era of like pasteurization and stuff. Yeah, it's it's gross. When we talk about juice, though, we tend to think of the fancy juices I was just talking about earlier. We're thinking about like that $10 cold press juice. But we have to think for a moment about all of the other juice mm -hmm. in the world that we've consumed in our in our lifetimes, right? It's literally got its own aisle in a standard grocery store, right? We've got Juicy Juice and Capri Sun and Ocean Spray, Sunny D, Sunny Minute D, Maze, right? Purple stuff. Purple stuff. I don't know if purple stuff <laughs> is juice, but yes. Or like, you know, like juice boxes. Um, Clamato is clam juice, right? Like juice V8. Yeah. Oh, my God. I am not a fan of V8 in general, but when I was pregnant with Dylan, I've never had a V8 in my entire life. And one day I was like, I have a craving for V8. And oh I was God. like, but you've never had V8. How could you have a craving for something you never had? I went to the store. You have to buy that stuff in like a six pack of little mm -hmm. of little cans. So good. I mean, I really, I think I would hate it now. It was so salty. I mean, my body just clearly needed something. Yeah. It's basically salty tomato with a really strong celery note. But there's a juice that was really popular. Like my grandma would buy V8. I remember it. I remember the V8 commercials when I was a kid. It would be like a guy who's like walking sideways because he hadn't had any vegetables from V8, you know? Oh yeah, that's right. You remember that? You remember that? Mm -hmm. So juice is still a big deal and has been for a long time, even though I felt, I mean, of course now I know better that juice was like a new invention, you know, like for our generation. Like the way that we were consuming it and selling it and Instagramming it, it felt like it was new, right? But it's all kind of the same. It has the same origins, right? Juice has always been a beverage for children. You'll find it on lots of kids' menus, even today. And throughout the 20th century, a glass of orange, grapefruit, or even tomato juice was the standard part of a balanced American breakfast. Remember the cereal commercials? Yes. Do they still do that? I like, think so. I think so. So it was like cereal, toast, juice, and like milk or something. I don't know. It's yeah. like a really gross breakfast, actually. <laughs> but like, I remember drinking apple juice a lot when I was a kid. My mom thought it was healthy. That's you know? true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's important to remind you that before the 20th century, juice was like all of the other things we think of as basic grocery store items like pasta and jello, a luxury item. I mean, it still kind of is if you want good juice because you need a lot of fruit and vegetables to make even one glass of juice. Have you ever had a juicer at home? No. 
I, yeah. I just I knew that it would be a giant pain in the ass. I've heard how many vegetables that you need to have. It's, it's terrible. I have never had a juicer either because I mean, not for lack of, of wanting one for a long time. If someone had given me one, I would have been very excited. But one year, my friend Raina got one for Christmas and I was visiting and we were really excited and we we're like, we're going to go to the store. We're going to get all this fruit and vegetables. We're going to make juice. And the there was a produce store near her house that like had those where you could buy like a bag of vegetables and fruit that were about to go bad for like a couple yeah. bucks. We take it home, a, a whole bag, and get two cups of juice out of it. it and then you've it's got ridiculous. All, it's ridiculous. It's so You might as well just buy well. the juice at yeah. that point. I, I yeah, remember but- actually doing – I think I researched it. I was like – well, if you bought a juicer, you know, I think there was like articles out there about how inefficient it is to juice at home because just like the cost of the machine and then the cost of all the ingredients is just, and the time and like, and how long it takes to even like clean your juicer out. Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you remember a couple of years ago? It's just occurring to me now. There was this startup that sold you this oh God, juice yes. machine at home but it was yes. just like a pouch of pre-made juice and it would just dispense it yes and it, of course it was like a spectacular flop they'd taken in all this investment money it was all kind of a scam because literally all you were doing is buying like a dispenser for juice like it wasn't yeah. making you a juice it wasn't fresh it wasn't like five hundred dollars or something yeah it was ridiculous it was so ridiculous oh my gosh anyway but that's because you know what juice is hard to make at home and it is a lot of work and it's a lot of mess furthermore in a pre-refrigerator world a glass of freshly squeezed juice well even now this happens pretty rapidly begins fermenting into wine or hard cider so people would you know in the 1800s and before that make juice per se out of apples or grapes but they would sit it out and turn it into wine or hard cider. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of things we eat today, or at least ate previously, maybe don't eat now, juice became part of the standard Western diet in the late 1800s. And it begins with Thomas Bramwell Welch, a Methodist minister slash dentist slash grape juice maker, I guess. I mean, this was a time for being a multi-hyphenate. I just want to remind everybody of the cough syrup manufacturer slash carpenter. Yes. (laughs) Got a multitask. It's the hustle culture. It's the hustle culture. Apparently that was where like hustle culture was part of the trend cycle then. (laughs) So the mass production of grape juice actually began very innocently In the mid-1800s, the Methodist Church rejected all use of alcoholic wine during communion. It was a religion that forbid any alcohol consumption. The problem was that with just about any grape juice, it would pretty rapidly turn into wine because it was unpasteurized, right? It's got the bacteria in there that turn it into wine. So Welch, you know, he's dentisting, he's being a pastor, he finds some spare time to invent a method of pasteurizing grape juice so that fermentation was stopped and that drink would be non-alcoholic. He sold this juice to local churches, calling it Dr. Welch's unfermented wine. 
This grape juice was a side hustle for a long time because he was busy, right? He had a very lucrative dental practice. Just want to remind you, this is a dental practice of the 1800s. I'm sure it's horrific. Um, And he was also a major crusader in favor of prohibition. He wanted alcohol to be banned in the United States, and he worked really hard to crusade against it. His son, Charles, grew up, became a dentist like his dad, and also helped with the grape wine business. But Charles thought there was something big there with these grapes, with this grape juice. He thought it could be a bigger idea. His father told him, now don't think I'm trying to discourage your pushing the grape juice. It's right for you to do, if, if it's right for you to do so, so far as you can, without interfering with your profession and your health, you go ahead and do it. So Charles took the reins and rebranded the company as Welch's Grape Juice, hmm. which I'm just going to pause here and say, grape juice, my least favorite of all juices. I did not even like it when I was a kid. Did you like it? We had it. Uh, we had grape juice and orange juice. And one of my sister's, had like um had stomach issues i think she got she got like a an ulcer when she was really young so she couldn't yeah when she was in like fourth grade and um she couldn't drink orange juice Mm. um because it was too acidic so we had to pretty much transfer over to to grape juice so i drank a lot of grape juice i didn't like apple juice but i liked grape juice and i liked orange juice I guess orange juice is my favorite of those because apple juice is too, it's too like syrupy in my stomach. I don't like it. Yeah. And grape juice would like stain your mouth or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, grape juice is beginning to come up under the leadership of Charles Welch. He began taking out ads in magazines and newspapers, declaring his juices ability to cure everything from typhoid fever to peritonitis and all forms of chronic diseases except diabetes, which, like, come up. We're talking about grape juice here. Exactly. People, okay? <laughs> he also started two different pamphlets, which were, I guess, were, like, shorter magazines that would come out every month or two months that focused on the prohibition movement called the Acorn, and the other one was called the Progress. And they were basically just filled with anti-alcohol content and ads for Welch's grape juice. He took the popular temperance movement slogan, the lips that touch wine will never touch mine. And he updated it to the lips that touch Welch's are all that touch mine. Hmm. Imagine meeting an adult, you know, you're interested in dating and you go out (laughs) for dinner and they order a glass of grape juice. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, I had a conversation with someone, a friend of mine, a couple of years ago where I was like, you know, if you went out on a date with someone, went out to dinner, went to a bar or whatever, and they ordered a glass of milk, would that be a deal breaker? <laughs> <laughs> would it be a deal breaker for you, Kim? I think so. I just That's pretty it's weird, right? Just pretty weird. Pretty weird. Uh, I would put grape juice up there. I mean, I do they still make grape juice? They must, they right? They must make it. I don't think it's as popular as it was in the yeah. 80s. Yeah. Other juice yeah. technology has swooped in there. Yeah, exactly. Well, in 1893, Welch took his juice to the Columbian Exposition in Chicago, which was basically Coachella of the 1800s. And everyone who was anyone was there. 
Thousands of visitors tried his grape juice, and many food historians consider this the moment mm. that the modern juice industry was born. Very exciting. These are people who had never had juice in their life, and now they're getting some of this Welch's grape juice. In the early years of the 19th century, the U.S. Navy banned alcohol on its ships, supplying grape juice instead. And this was a major boon for Welch's. Oh, God. It's such a bummer for everyone. I know, right? Seriously. Uh, In a magazine ad of the same era, Welch's said, Welch's grape juice has attained its popular and professional favor through merit alone. This product has been perfected and marketed under the personal direction of the physician whose name it bears. Just going to add here, you mean dentist, right? And whose purpose from the beginning was to produce a liquid food possessing all the nutrient essentials necessary to metabolism in sickness and convalescence. So here we are. We're saying, Mm -hmm. again, grape juice is a cure-all. And this is like, this is like the early 1900s and you you're like oh so like all this nonsense i've been fed about green juice could it be the same you right. know exactly it's like so scammy as what is it based on <laughs> clearly right. nothing clearly nothing you just say whatever you want yeah. don't worry there'll be more of that coming so sadly by the time prohibition passed in the 1920s grape juice was overshadowed by another invention An invention I might call the arch nemesis of juice, and that is soda. Of course. And so sales of grape juice suffered. In 1956, Welch's was bought by the National Grape Cooperative Association. But ultimately, we would not have juice, or at least in the way we do on the timeline we did, if it hadn't been for people crusading against alcohol, which I think is really interesting. That is interesting. For generations of Americans, myself included, orange juice was another household staple. You like, you got the milk, you got the orange juice, all of it was in the same cooler at the grocery store, right? We always had it in our house. Sometimes we had Sunny Delight, which would make me mad because I did not like Sunny D. Did you like it? I actually kind of did like it. It was too thick, but my brother loved it. I know it's very popular. I I mentioned it to Dustin. I hate pulp. Me too. I hate pulp also. And I, and I was like, oh, it's like orange juice without pulp. There was this other drink that my mom would get that was like a citrus drink called Five Alive. And I remember that. Oh, I, remember was, that. I thought that was really good because it was pulp-free and very acidic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still hate pulp. It's like oh. it tastes hairy and yeah. chunky. It's like, ugh. Yeah. If I'm ever in a situation where someone serves me a pulpy orange juice, I'm literally trying to like strain it with my teeth as I drink it. It doesn't work. Nasty. So gross. But until the late 1800s, only people who lived in regions warm enough to grow citrus fruit actually drank it. So not that many people. But citrus farmers saw some potential there. And so in in 1893, the Southern California Fruit Exchange was formed. Hmm. 15 years later, it came to be known as Sunkissed. They followed, I mean, they seriously, they took out the Welch's grape juice playbook and just followed it page by page. They flooded magazines and newspapers with articles about the health benefits of orange juice, which 
To be fair, I believe a little bit more than grape juice because at least there's some vitamin C. Exactly. And they had the help of a guy who went by the name Dr. Vitamin, a.k.a. Dr. Elmer V. McCollum. I guess Dr. Vitamin is a little bit more appealing. Um, And between 1922 and 1946, he wrote regular columns for McCall's magazine to, quote, translate the mysteries of the laboratory into kitchen commonplaces. And his big thing that he talked about all the time was acidosis. A condition in which you have too much acid in your bloodstream, which is, it's interesting. There's a whole journey of acidosis. I did a bunch of reading where like, at the time, this was like a big thing. You know, it was like a a medical trend, Mm -hmm. I guess. Like, remember when everybody was talking about leaky gut? It was like that. But then after like a few years, doctors were like, I don't think acidosis is real. It's like, you know, it's, it's all flim flam now. But now doctors have come back around and they are like, acidosis is a thing. And it does, I mean, it relates to a lot of, you know, genetics, your own health in general. Diet is a part of it. Spoiler, not in the way Dr. Vitamin says it is. Let's see what Dr. <laughs> Dr. Vitamin says. Vitamin. Right? So he said it was caused by eating too much bread, dairy, and meat. This condition would cause any number of illnesses. Sounds like gout. (laughs) But he told everyone, listen, I know you're afraid of acidosis. Don't worry. You can continue to eat as much bread, dairy, and meat that you want as long as you also increase your lettuce and citrus consumption. Of course... Sunkiss jumped on this and included it in their advertising, and it, oh, yeah. it worked, at least to a certain extent. Between 1920 and 1940, sales of orange juice tripled. But orange juice at that point was just not as amenable to mass production as grape juice had been. Consumers had two options when it came to orange juice. They could freshly squeeze it, which meant buying oranges, not juice, so not what they were going for here. Or they could get the pasteurized and canned version. The problem with canned orange juice, which to be fair, I've never had, is that it was disgusting. Oh, really? Huh. Yes, because they would they would heat it up to boiling to kill all the bacteria in it, uh... right? And then they would put it in a can. And it made the flavor very bitter. It just it just wasn't good anymore. I, it makes sense to me. I've had some gross orange juice in my life. After World War II, scientists stumbled upon the idea of orange juice from concentrate, which is kind of how all the juice you and I grew up drinking was mm-hmm. made, right? You would you would start to, over time, like in the 90s, like if something was from concentrate, that was like not, not good, right? Essentially, juice from concentrate means taking a huge batch of freshly squeezed juice, heating it very slowly and lightly, so it just takes a long time until it loses most of its water. Then you add a splash of fresh orange juice back in for flavor and then water. Hmm. Ultimately, it's kind of all the same, although I'm sure plenty of juice companies are also throwing some sugar in there. Um, I don't know if it impacts the vitamins in the juice, but I don't think from concentrate is as horrible as I assumed it was based on all the orange juice commercials I saw as a kid. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, this this new innovation was a hit. Per capita orange juice consumption jumped from under eight pounds per person in 1950 to over 20 pounds per person in 1960. I don't know why we're talking about orange juice and pounds, but we are. 
<laughs> and Florida's production of concentrated juice leapt from 226,000 gallons in 1946 to more than 116 wow. million in 1962. So everybody's into jar- orange juice. So now it's like, you know, it's the 50s. We've got some orange juice. We've got some grape juice. I don't There's probably some apple juice in there, maybe some ocean spray, right? Not a lot of juice still. We're not talking about... We're, it's interesting. We're seeing a lot of advertising about juice as a healthy thing, but we haven't seen yet what you and I recognize as like health juices, right? Well, don't worry, it's coming. Because in 1958, a German scientist named Max Gerson published a book called A Cancer Therapy, Results of 50 Cases. And this is where we start to get real quacky about juice. Like This is the beginning. The gist of his book was that everyone suffering from any kind of illness or malady, whether it was migraines, constipation, or cancer, which these were all in very different categories, right? They should just reject modern medicine and the evil food industry. And instead, they could treat themselves via their food. This is so much like that guy I was talking about in the beginning, juice press guy. Yes. This diet was a little less aesthetic. All they had to do to be healthy, beat cancer, never need to see a doctor again, was eat three salt-free plant-based meals a day. All right, fine. And drink 13 glasses of raw carrot, apple, and green juice made from only the freshest organic fruits and vegetables. This practice was called the Gerson therapy. Can we just talk about this again? 13 glasses of juice. What? You would be so sick. I mean, you know, like the the juice cleanses are what? Like how many even in a a day? Like five? Yeah. Yeah. It's like too much. But then imagine having 13. Well, making those 13 glasses of juice every day would have been very difficult. But fortunately, in the late 1930s, an American named Norman Walker, who I'm just going to preface by saying was a man who occasionally claimed to be a doctor, <laughs> but did not seem to be. <laughs> there were a lot of legal issues yeah. involving him claiming to be a doctor. Um, he invented a juicer called the Norwalk Juicer, and that company still exists oh, wow. today. You can still buy them. He wrote a series of books promoting a vegetarian raw food diet. Yes, raw food Another thing that I thought had been invented in our lifetimes, right? Because it was so trendy there for a while. Yep. Also has been around for a really long time. He felt that all cooked and baked foods were bad for the body, saying, quote, while such food can and does sustain life in the human system, it does so at the expense of progressively degenerating health, energy, and vitality. It's this nonsense again that like, the food that most of us are eating is a scam that is intended to poison us, basically. And if you're smart enough, the few, the few that are smart enough to see beyond that, they will, you know, experience this different quality of life than everyone else. Um, he was also totally okay with frozen food. He said that didn't count. You know, <laughs> I did go on a date once. And it's coming back to me in the aughts with a guy who it turned out only ate raw food. 
and we went to a raw oh, food no. restaurant and it was fine. It was really expensive. I felt very mm-hmm. hungry when I left. Yeah. But he all he was talking about this stuff, this idea of food being living, still alive when it's raw and dead when it's been cooked. And I was just like, but we're talking about vegetables. Like it's it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like the vocabulary that continues to come back with all of these things. I feel like, yeah, I do we do people still talking about living uh, I mean, that was food. a trend, right? It was a huge trend. Yeah. Like, right around that, like, juice time. But yeah. I didn't really hear about it that much. I mean, there was, I don't know if it's still there, there was a raw vegan restaurant in downtown LA um, that I've been to. It was okay. Or, like, how about Cafe Gratitude? Mm. Have you ever eaten there? I have. But it it's- wasn't quite as uh, crunchy yeah. as I, I expected they- it to be. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong place because there's a place where they had all these vegan raw meals and they all had really complicated names. That would be like like them. Yeah. Anyway, like definitely was around at that time. And I thought it was like a new thing, like a new innovation in food. It turns out it totally wasn't. It's been around, you know, for a long time. Um, So Norman Walker, once again, a guy who occasionally claimed to be a doctor, Uh but does not appear to have ever been a doctor. He felt that constipation was the root cause of just about every illness. Like, oh, you have cancer? It's because you've been constipated too many times in your life, you know? Oh, my God. So this raw, juice-focused diet would prevent that. And to be fair, that's probably true. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, yeah. If it was real. This is, like, when this trend cycle of, like, raw foods – living on juice, purity cleanses, all this stuff, juice as the secret to health, as a treatment for disease. This is when it begins. And this trend would just like pop up every couple, I would say about every 20 years, right? In 1955, uh, the world got its first masticating juicer, the champion that was a major innovation and made juicing a lot easier in 1971. So 16 years later, juice comes back because Jack LaLanne, created the power Mm. juicer. He's considered the father of the modern fitness movement. And to be fair, he did live to be 96. Wow. So there's something there. Yeah, definitely. Um, 20 years after that, in 1991, Jay Cordick, who called himself the father of juicing, released the Juice Man. And I do remember babysitting for a family that had one of these Juice Mans. He sold 2 million units of these in 1992. This was a big time for juice. He credited juicing with curing the bladder cancer that he had in his 20s. Juicing as a cure for cancer comes up time and time again. He did live to be 93. Once again, I'm like, okay, he did seem to have a really healthy diet. But I will tell you, Jacqueline, who lived to be 96, this guy, Jay Cordick, who lived to be 93, Neither of them were going on juice cleanses. They were eating a vegetarian, for the most part, you know, plant-forward diet. They weren't fasting and cleansing and all this stuff. Well, thanks to the juice man, juicing picked up a lot of momentum in the 90s. And so the trend actually never died out the way it had in in previous decades. It continued into the aughts into the time that we mm-hmm. think of as juice. Like this is probably the longest trajectory that juicing has ever had. 
It was a fast way to lose weight. It supposedly helped us detox and live longer and maybe it cured diseases. I mean, this is all great. That was the narrative. I mean, I I do remember I was in Sunday school once and Mm -hmm. I had overheard my parents talking about someone. I don't remember what, what the details were, but someone that they knew or a friend of a friend that did, um, juicing and it helped them cure their cancer and Mm -hmm. i was in sunday school and they were talking about how like i don't know jesus cures cancer or something and i (laughs) and i raised my hand and i was like i don't know about that i heard about the juicing (laughs) juicing trend can help cure cancer and he like the the sunday school teacher got really mad at me and completely disagreed and was like, no, Jesus is the only, only thing that can cure cancer. Wow. <laughs> I was just like, I've, that, I, that sticks out to me as like one of the reasons why I was like, mm, I don't think church is for me. <laughs> but juicing is. But yeah. juicing is. I mean, it's interesting. So I, you know, as a person who's had cancer, mm-hmm. I have definitely had so many people in my lifetime suggest I should get into juicing, you know, and of course, uh, and have of a course. horrible stomachache. And uh, I listened to this episode of another podcast. It's put out by Slate and they're doing like a, a mini series about a different year. They'll do like six episodes of the big cultural or media events cool. of that year. And they just did 1977. That was their first year. And one thing I'll say that was really cool about it is they didn't talk about like what you everybody else talks about when they talk about 1977. Like they didn't talk about disco or anything like that. One of the episodes was about this couple who had a child with like leukemia, some sort of cancer like that. And he was very, very sick. He was not doing very well. Uh, He was able to get into remission thanks to his doctor. Things were looking up. His doctor felt very convinced that he was going to make a full recovery as long as he continued to take his medication. And he was until he wasn't because his parents had been approached by all these people who were really into juicing and stuff like that. They were putting him on these special juices, giving him this treatment that I want to say had arsenic in it. Ultimately he died. It was a huge court case, all kinds of stuff. But it was like, I was like, Oh my God, this juicing and cancer thing again. Why? Uh It just comes up over and over again. Um, we don't talk about juicing and cancer as much as people did in the past, but I still see it. I still see juicing coming up as a treatment for COVID, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It comes up a lot on Reddit. Of course. That makes sense. Yeah. On Reddit. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So there are still people out there who are like juicing will cure you. And listen, if you're not feeling well and juicing is a way for you to get hydrated Absolutely. and get vitamins, like do it, you know? Yep. Um, in this century, well, in the nineties, as that juicing momentum continued still throughout most of the nineties, juicing was sort of a niche thing for people who shopped at health food stores. They weren't as prolific yet. Right. Like whole foods was still something that was, there were only a few of them, you know, and the people who were introducing at that point would have been called like health nuts, you know, at the same time that juice was sort of like this niche thing, but slowly picking up momentum. All of the other juices, apple, grape, orange juice, etc., they saw a massive decline in sales that they've never really recovered oh. as people saw them as sugary, empty calories. 
interesting. I remember that with that right around that time they did come out with like I think it, I don't know it was like Tropicana that came out with the low sugar orange juice. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I mean to be fair, I remember all of the juice that we grew up drinking being like liquid sugar. I mean that's yes. why I liked it. I was a kid. I liked sweet things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um Juice continued this fancier juice. It's like the tale of two juices. Yeah. As the other juice bottomed out, the fancier juice began to pick up momentum going into the aughts. Thanks in part, in a major way, to all of the celebrity magazines and tabloids of that era who shared article after article about this and that juice diet that celebrities were using, right? And it was a great concept. Sure, you'll never be Blake Lively or Sarah Jessica Parker, but even you can drink juice and get as close as possible. You know, it'd be like, we share with you Blake Lively's juice diet, you know, that kind of stuff. Juice was an aspirational brand, Mm -hmm. right? It said you had money, you were healthy, you looked good, and you had that juice in your hand. You must have looked great. And most importantly, you had the luxury of buying a $10 juice. As Vanessa Gregoriatis said in the cut, quote, juice says you don't do manual labor. You make money with your fingers in the new economy. Nails painted a cheery neon or pastel gel as you text like Mm -hmm. it was a status symbol right and juice just got more and more expensive more more and more of these like aesthetic juice bars popped up you know oh yeah Uh, there were hot there was so exciting when when one would pop i'll be like oh my god can't wait to do their juice cleanse totally totally and Instagram about it, right? Mm-hmm. While all these juice brands began to take off, you know, like Press Juicery and Juice Served Here, and there's so many more. There's too many. Uh, we also saw smaller, like sort of 90s brands of juices, yes. like Oddwalla and Naked. They were bought by Coca-Cola and Pepsi, respectively. And they brought the juice lifestyle to middle America because it was in every grocery store and convenience mm-hmm. store suddenly. And soon we were being sold those $199, $300 juice yes. packages. Moon juice was doing just all kinds of ridiculous stuff, selling us so many silly things like sex dust and goop became a massive brand. That's how it all happened. Mm-hmm. So for discussion here with you, Kim, as I was thinking about this and the trend cycle of juice, would you agree that athletic clothing trends alongside juice? Because it seems to come with, at least in the 20th and 21st century, it always comes with fitness attached mm-hmm. to it. We don't really use fitness like we used to. And now it's wellness, right? Yeah. But well, fitness, yeah. Yeah. Fitness the was like bars. Yeah. Like you, like the nicest, um, the nicest, uh, I guess, gyms, had juice bars. Oh, for sure. But for it was sure. like a place to actually hang out in your athleisure before or after, or just, you know, in your free time to go and drink a juice. Yeah. I was at your, your nice gym that you paid an ex, a, a, a hefty oh, membership gosh. for. It's so silly. You know what? I also totally forgot to mention in this Jamba juice. Oh yeah. Jamba juice. A late nineties creation. Uh, Basically selling us, I mean, I just remind you, these juices were really more like 
smoothies that had like, I want to say um, ice cream in them or something. Like Orange Julius? Sherbet. It had Sherbet in it, I think. Yeah, I mean, Orange Julius is as much juice as Jamba Juice is. There, I said it. It's the same. It's like comes <laughs> from a mix and it's really sugary and there's probably you can get boosts in both of them. Yep. Boosts. I remember <laughs> boosts. that. Boosts. I think that was like, I mean, in the late 90s, early aughts, Jamba Juice was like a major treat because it meant you were like in the big city or something oh, yeah, when, you exactly. would encounter, when you encounter it. But, you know, that turned into a place that was in malls and it made yeah. juice a middle America thing, just like Oddwalla and, and Naked. Naked. Yeah. I remember, I remember the green juice, the naked green juice. Oh, you, you'd that. get it at like a health food store. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was like super fancy. Mm-hmm. It was like $6 or something. I know. Hot deal now. Right. Uh-huh. I remember like, exactly. I that. Like there was, when I was living in Chicago, there was a Whole Foods there and I'd never been to a Whole Foods before. And Whole Foods was different then. You know, it wasn't owned by Amazon. It had a lot more bulk foods. It was a lot more health focused than it is now. Um, but it wasn't crunchy like a health food store. Like it yeah. felt fancier, right? And I would go there and get that green juice, that yep. naked green juice. The green monster. Or no, the green yeah. machine or something green like machine. that. Green machine, yeah. Green and machine. people would see me with it and be like, oh, you're some kind of like health nut, huh? Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> it was yeah. like hips, it was a hipster thing. I remember all my hipster totally. friends. Totally, totally. Get yourself a green machine, mm-hmm. a box of American spirits, and you're like into health. Basically. I remember one time a green machine I got was like bad. Oh, I, I can I could never drink a green machine ever again. Wow. Yeah, like I, I bought it and it, it, it had expired, and it was like oh, chunky. Oh, oh. <laughs> I haven't had one of those in Mm-mm. so long, but I remember them being very sweet. They had a lot of apple juice in them. I think they actually had pineapple juice. Oh, interesting. I yeah. Actually, you're right. Probably Google it, but very sweet. Um, Mm -hmm. Not, I mean, okay, we could talk about Oddwalla or Naked being like less healthy or something, but the reality is that like all juices of that ilk are about the same level of healthy, whether you paid six dollars or fifteen. The health benefits are not much different, and yeah, it'd probably be better for you to get a naked juice than to go get, you know, a bottle of just plain old apple juice or tropicana yeah. juice but like not that much like incrementally not that much you know like different. i know exactly i mean getting orange juice is so expensive yeah yeah oh my it is it is um i try to stay away from a lot of that stuff because like you know it, it irritates my stomach but man yes. i definitely for years would prioritize drinking juice over eating food because yeah. i thought that's what i was supposed to do that was super trendy that was really cool <sighs> And apparently it's back again for the Gen Z community. Yeah. I mean, this is the longest trend cycle that juicing has had, really. Well, I mean, I think it kind of died off around 2011, really. I know for me on a personal level and conversations I would have with my friends, we were starting to pull away from juice because we were like, it's so sugary and expensive, you know? So I still would sometimes have a juice after pop physique, which is bar class. I mean, those things are so tight together. A yes. treat. Yeah, yeah. Yes. A $12 treat. treat yourself. Yeah, yeah. With some sugar after a class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that's all I have about juice. Um, next week, we're going to talk about one other very trendy health food. I promise this is not a food podcast, but I 
received a request from a listener after our That Girl series. They were like, I hope you're going to do an episode about juice. Will you also talk about frozen yogurt? And at first I was like, I don't know. I mean, I do love frozen yogurt, but you guys don't need to hear me talk about that for an hour. I don't know if I could fill an hour with that. But then I started reading about it and I was like, okay, there's a lot of like tomfoolery and shenanigans attached to frozen yogurt too. Yeah. Absolutely. And trendiness, you know? Absolutely. I never liked, you know, like back in the, I guess, whatever, when, when it came out, I never really liked it. I always felt like it tasted like, Ugh, like, like bad ice cream, like ice cream that you, like, it just was not something There was like a weird aftertaste, like aspartame, mm-hmm. like ickiness. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember like, remember TCBY, mm-hmm. the country's best yogurt, mm-hmm. not really that good. Right. We, I only had that once and it was like on the New Jersey turnpike, but I was like, not impressed. Our mall had a froyo place called Freshens yogurt, which I'm pretty sure is a chain. And it was okay, but I felt like people only liked it because it came in a waffle cone. Oh. I think that oh. was, like, really why people liked so it. So, just a cookie. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And so, I was just like, yeah, I'm not a frozen yogurt place person. Like, if I'm going to mm-hmm. eat something like that, I'm going to eat real ice cream. And then the pink berry arrived on the scene, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about in the, Interesting. in the next episode. But pink berry changed it for me. And then, like. When you live in LA, LA really is like the world hub of frozen yogurt. It, it is. I remember getting lots of frozen yogurt with you. Yeah, yeah. I've like, got my spot in Hollywood. It's like Pinkberry and Starbucks. And it's very acceptable. Yeah, yeah. No matter who you are. Yeah, it's just like an LA thing. And, you know, the Celebutants played a big role in the return of frozen yogurt. So we're going to talk about that too. Um, and, and the LAification of frozen yogurt. It relates to like, you know, Lindsay Lohan and, and Paris Hilton and all of their friends. Oh, so wow. okay, it could cool. also be kind of like an aughts episode, I guess. A 90s and then the aughts. <laughs> that's that's going to be fun. I like that. Yeah. So we'll be back next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.